You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Happy Friday, Acadiana. And welcome into the Friday Fun Show edition of Crunch Time here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez coming to you live from St. Martinville Senior High School as we get set for week two of the LHSAA state playoffs. Uh, tonight, Southside will host the North Shore Panthers in a select Division 1A matchup. And kickoff is at 7 o'clock, pregame at 645, and you can hear it on Mustang 1071. Back at Delta Media, my producer and co-host is the one and the only Mr. James Mesh. James, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Doing all right, Matt. How about you? Oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. It's a Friday. Uh, and, you, you know, when you, when you work in this business, you can only complain so much about a Friday uh, because... You just one step closer to the weekend, and the weekend means college football. And uh, we're going to talk a lot of college football today uh, at 4.15. Dawson Iserlow is going to join us. He hosts a New Orleans Saints podcast, but he is also a Raging Cajuns graduate and a Florida State graduate student. So I figured that that was a, a perfect conversation to have ahead of tomorrow's contest between the Seminoles and the Cajuns. So we'll do that at 4.15. At 4.30, Daniel Underwood who is the girls' soccer coach at St. Thomas More Catholic High School. He will join us preview of the World Cup taking place in Qatar, which starts on Sunday. At 5 o'clock, we will do Jake's Takes with our guy Jake Crane of Crane & Company. And then at 5.30, Carl Carrolls of the Tallahassee Democrat will join us to give us his thoughts on the matchup between the Cajuns and the Seminoles. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. That's 706 706- 0111 and here in Acadiana you can watch us on the simulcast stadium 32.3 and channel 133 on LUS fiber James last night was Thursday night football between the Titans and the Packers and you know this was a game now the Packers have been struggling don't get me wrong but this was a game that I thought the Packers could get right you know the the Titans have had a great year to up to this point, but you were in Lambeau, the weather was on your side, you know, things just matched up well for the Packers. And Ryan Tannehill may have had one of the best games of his entire career last night. 22 of 27 for 333 yards and two touchdowns. Derrick Henry played out of his mind as well. You know, just talk about the the, the performance last night, and, and the Titans now seven and three have to be looked at as a threat in the AFC. Yeah, they're a serious threat now. I I'm really shocked at how poorly the Packers have played because I know that they played pretty poorly throughout the year, but you thought the fact that you got a really nice win against the Cowboys, who were six and two at the time, you thought, okay, well, you come into a short week. Again, and you're hosting a Titans team who's been pretty good so far this season. But you thought, hey, this is an opportunity to really turn it around. I felt like both the Packers and Buccaneers were the teams that would really turn it around at this midpoint in the season because they've both been underperforming. And I think the, the Buccaneers can still do it, but the fact that the Packers 
they couldn't get anything going overall. No, they they couldn't. I mean, Aaron Rodgers put up an okay stat line. He had two touchdown passes, both of them going to Christian Watson. Randall Cobb came out of nowhere to have a decent game last night. Six catches for 73 yards. He came back uh, from uh, injury. Oh, is that what? Okay. Yeah, um, he, got, he got back after not playing for a while. And then what, what's up with Derrick Henry throwing touchdown passes? I'm not sure. Well, what's, but the, what's, the fact, what's that about? The fact they threw multiple passes. Yeah, he was two for two for four yards and a touchdown. What really? Can, can that man have a future at quarterback? Hey man, that's what that's what one of our guys in a uh, fantasy was saying. He was like, "Oh, Titans just put Derrick Henry at quarterback and still let him run the ball a bunch and go crazy." I mean, <laughs> might as well. Uh, but I, I I really looked at it and I found a really interesting stat line for both teams. How neither of them could really run the ball very effectively, but it got even more apparent with the fact that the Packers pretty much almost did a. Saints. They only they ran the ball under twenty times, and they only yep. ran it for fifty six yards. Yep. AJ Dillon. AJ Dillon did not get much of the carries at all, and then Aaron Jones, even though he got double what AJ Dillon did, he he was slightly more effective in the running game, but he only had forty yards. All I'm saying is I'm glad I didn't put AJ Dillon in my fantasy lineup this week. Yeah, it was pretty smart. Oh wait, I did. Oh, did you actually? Uh, I thought you had picked somebody else up. No, I mean I thought I had, but apparently didn't change my my lineup because AJ Dillon's sitting there at at three point three points. So that's that's fantastic. Uh, but anyways, it's it's a league that I'm one and nine in, so what does it really matter? But yeah, you know, we talked about it when we opened this conversation about this game last night. The Titans have to be viewed now as a legitimate threat in the NFL. And not not just the NFL, but in, especially in the AFC because if you look at it, you know, they're they're leading their division by, you know, a a pretty a pretty nice margin. They're seven and three. Indianapolis is the next closest at four, five, and one. They've got a ninety-five percent chance as it stands right now to make the postseason. And then if you look at the playoff picture, you're looking at the Titans being the three seed. So I mean they've they've got to be viewed as as a legitimate threat. They would be the three seed. They'd be playing Buffalo in the first round. Yeah. But think about that. But another thing to think about is the fact that you're talking about Buffalo and they're third in the division. Yeah. The Jets are ahead of them. After they went from them. first to they went from first to third overnight. Uh because you know you you lost to the you lost to the Jets which put you in a tie for the division lead if I'm not mistaken. And then when Miami won and it, that opened up a three-way tie which Miami had tiebreakers over both the Bills and the Jets. So now Miami's leading the division. Miami's the two seed in the AFC. And Miami. They, and they haven't lost yet when Tua plays a full game. Miami. I, I, I want people to, to really let that sink in. Miami is the two seed. 
That's just in, insane to think about. The Jets are going to make the playoffs if the season ended today. The Chargers and the Super Bowl runner-up Cincinnati Bengals are going to be on the outside looking in. I mean, it is just insane to think about. Look at the team that won the Super Bowl last year. They're 13th in the NFC. I mean, you know, we always talk about the Super Bowl hangover, and I believe that it's a real thing. But, man, have we seen it worse than we've seen it this year? It's been pretty bad. For, we, for both we, sides. And we anticipated the AFC West to have a, the potential of having all four teams make the playoffs. Yep. They'll probably right. only have one. Yep. I mean, you, you look at the... the the NFC West right now, I mean, you're looking at getting two in. Uh, Seattle's currently the three seed in the NFC, and then you've got San Francisco at the seven seed. Uh, so right now the NFC West would have two teams in. Um, but but the crazy thing is that you would have three NFC East teams in the playoffs of the season today. You would have the Eagles at the one seed. You'd have the Giants at the five seed, and you have and you'd have Dallas at the six seed. I mean, that is that's nuts to think about, James. But uh, when we're so used to the NFC East only having one team be represented, right? The the, the division winner the barely the division winner barely scrapes in as the seven seed. But what really gets me is when we were talking about the AFC West. I mean, the Chargers are five and four, but. I see them having a collapse toward the end of the year because it kind of feels like they've just been barely squeaking by a bunch of games. They're tanking for Peyton. They're tanking for Peyton. And That's then, what they're doing. And then Russell Wilson's calling Seattle audible. So the right. Let's let's uh, let's talk about that for a second. So there have been reports that Russell Wilson out in Denver. In Denver. The reason that they are struggling so much is because he changes the plays with Seahawks audibles. So when he calls audibles, his linemen and his receivers and and everybody is looking at him like, "What, dude? What are you? What are you saying? What are you talking about?" And then they go back to the huddle like, "Russ, dude, we don't know what you're calling." That's that's scary. Now, I mean, I'm not going to say that, you know, Russ is washed and, and he's done in the NFL, but, like, God, if you can't even call your the correct team's audibles, I mean, what are you doing? And I, and I know you were in Seattle for so long and you know that playbook probably like the back of your hand, but, I mean, you, that, that, that's just mind-blowing to me. That that you would still be using another team's audibles, especially when nobody else on your team knows what you're talking about. But it feels, I don't know, like it would make sense because you're like, well, why? Why do they just suck? Oh, all it, of a would, it would explain why they're struggling so much. No, but question. it doesn't. But to me, it doesn't make a whole. It doesn't feel like it makes all the sense of the world. You know right, what I mean? Yeah, no, something something's very off. Because it feels like there's something off, and it may be in the same area of well, they're calling he's calling Seattle audibles, right? But I, I feel like I don't know that one. Just it doesn't seem all the way right. 
Yeah, something, something's off there. It, it, it's weird. But, um, you know, we talked about it earlier. The World Cup starts this weekend in Qatar, and that is your poll question of the day. Can the United States have a good showing in the FIFA World Cup? Yes, I hope so. Who cares? Uh, so far, one person has said yes, they can, and one person has said, who cares? And our, our good buddy Tan comments, to the person that said, who cares? The World Cup is followed by more people than the Super Bowl, World Series, and NBA Finals combined. Just saying. You, know, you also have to remember, not a lot of people in this area care as much about soccer. Well, that's true. Like, but it, like the, the top two are football and baseball. Like, a lot of people also don't like basketball. Which is which is crazy to me because it, it, this, it's crazy this area is this area has produced a lot of basketball talent, or at least or at least our listenership, right? Um, you know, I the, and obviously we'll, we'll talk more World Cup a little bit later with, with Daniel Underwood, but I, I'd quickly like to give my thoughts. Um, you know, this is for a lot of guys playing for the U.S. This is their first time playing in the World Cup because the last time the United States made the World Cup was 2014, and a lot of these guys weren't on that squad. Uh, so it's interesting to see, you know, there are, there's obviously going to be the inexperience factor for, for this group, but, I mean, if you're led by a guy like Christian Pulisic, who's one of the best players in the Premier League, which is the top league in soccer, um, I mean, I, I think I think you've got a chance. Now... You're not in a you're not in a great group. You got Wales and England in in your group, so you're gonna have to you know kind of scratch and claw your way out of the group stages. But if you can get to the knockout stages, I mean, man, all, all bets are off at that point. So uh, definitely interested to see what the United States will do, or you know, as they call them in the in the soccer world, the American Outlaws. Uh, so we'll see what they do in Qatar starting on Monday. They will play Wales at 1 p.m. Like I said, we'll talk more about that with Daniel Underwood at 4.30. So Facebook and Twitter, if you want to vote on the poll question, 706-0111. And as a reminder, here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. If you are looking for great stocking stuffers for the holiday season, Look no further than the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse at Cyber's Bayou Casino Resort or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cyber's Bayou Casino Resort. But you can only score these great stocking stuffers by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. Go sign up today. We'll take a timeout. Dawson Iserlo joins us next for a conversation from the Cajuns' perspective. Right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's time to talk all things vermilion and white on this Friday fun show as the Louisiana Raging Cajuns are traveling to Tallahassee, Florida today to take on Florida State tomorrow morning in an 11 a.m. kickoff. Dawson Iserlo is in Tallahassee, 
as a Florida State grad student and a former Cajuns graduate. So figured, why not bring him on to talk about this matchup tomorrow? Dawson, thanks for taking the time, man. How are you? Yeah, doing well, Matt. Talking Saints isn't as fun these days, so I'm glad we were able to uh, switch it up this time. Yeah, no, no doubt about it, man. Appreciate you taking the time. So, you know, you, you look at this game, and the Cajuns need one more win to be bowl eligible. They've got this game, and then obviously Texas State in the finale next Saturday. Now the, the, the cards are stacked against the Cajuns in this one. There's no question about it. And obviously you want to play this you want to play every game to win, right? So outside of, you know, going to win the game, what's the mindset heading into this game? You know, look, this is a Cajuns team, and, you know, we've seen the progression of them as the year has gone on. I think the expectations were, frankly, probably too high coming into the year given what they lost and, you know, Coach Desimo taking over. Um, and there was a couple of bad losses in there. The ULM game is the one that really sticks out, but I do think that this team has improved. Um, they have lost a couple of games still down the stretch, like the Troy game that they could have won. But they've played better, and I think they've gotten better, and that's something you want to see from a first-year head coach. So I think the mindset is to kind of continue that progress, continue playing better on both sides of the ball, which you know, defensively I think they were always playing pretty well, and the offense has kind of caught up at times. But I think you got to continue that progression and, and start building some momentum for the program moving forward. Now, you know, if you look at, at this matchup, you look at the tail of the tape, if you will, Florida State averaging 34 points a game. They're only giving up 18. I mean, just talk about this team that, you know, you're pretty familiar with and the things that they do well that the Cajuns may have a hard time stopping. Yeah, the Florida State team, look, they have had kind of a, you know three separate segments to their season. They got off to a hot start. They had the big win against LSU in New Orleans. Um, they were 4-0. Then they got into a really tough stretch of ACC play, and they lost three games in a row. They lost to Wake, NC State, and Clemson, who were all ranked at the time of those games. Um, but since then, they have also played a little bit weaker competition, but they have just played really good football. Uh, Jordan Travis offensively, one of the most improved players in the entire country, in my opinion, at quarterback. A guy who, you know, always had extreme athleticism, but this year has just kind of put it all together. And um, he is just really difficult to defend. And then this running game that they've put together. Trey Benson is a transfer out of Oregon who is a really dynamic running back. He's also got a guy like Trayshawn Ward and Lawrence Toafili back there. So the three of those guys are, are really tough to defend. And when you add in Jordan Travis's ability with his legs, it just becomes a really tough offense. To, uh, to be able to handle. And, you know, you, you, you talked about the running game, and obviously their running game is incredibly potent, getting, you know, 213 on the ground per game. But, you know, the, the thing that people might not talk about enough is they've got a six seven wide receiver by the name of Johnny Wilson who has just been torching defenses all season. Like, how do you, how do you stop 6'7"? It's something that's funny. I mean, you know, in, in watching the games over here and, you know, talking to people, there, there hasn't really been a team that's been able to cover him one-on-one yet. And I think with Florida State's ability to run the football, you know, that just makes it really tough. Johnny Wilson's another one of those transfers. Coach Mike Norbell did a great job going out in the portal and adding some talent this season. And, you know, he's a guy who he's not only six seven, but he runs pretty well. And so, you know, getting him down the field, we've seen, you know, they actually like to go to him deep and they like to go to him in the red zone, of course, with his size. Um, it's one of those things is, as a defense, sometimes you have to pick your poison. You know, if you're going to put two guys over there or you're going to try and put your best defender on them, 
well, then Florida State's going to go ahead and run the football all over you, you know, and if you don't pay attention to him, then he's going to be open. So it's really one of those pick-your-poison situations on defense. And then you, you, we, we've talked about the, the defense for Florida State. They're a really good rushing defense, um, and, and then they do, a, they do a nice job of containing the pass as well. From the Cajuns' perspective, where can Louisiana exploit this defense and maybe put some points on the board? Well, you know, I think, and something with Louisiana's offense is it always has to center around the running game, I feel like. We saw at times when the Cajuns really struggled to run the football. I think that's when we saw the worst performances offensively. Um, And Florida State, if you're going to pick one, I I would say trying to run the ball and establishing that run is going to be important. Um, They have a couple of guys. They have a pass rusher. Again, talking about the transfer portal and Jared Verse, who's a guy who has come in um, from actually a very small school, played at Albany previously, has come in and probably made himself a first-round pick. Um, so he's the type of guy that you do not want to put yourself in third and long situations because he will get after the quarterback. And uh, So, yeah, I think it starts with trying to run the football and being able to set up play action. Um, even that won't be easy against their front seven, but I think it's your best opportunity. Chatting with Dawson Iserlow of the Dome Zone podcast. He's also a, a Florida State grad student and a former Cajuns graduate. Okay, so, you know, 24-point spread – Obviously, like we said earlier, the, the cards are stacked against the Cajuns. In your mind, Dawson, is there a world where the Cajuns get a win in this game? Um, I would never say that a world doesn't exist in which you know an upset can take place because we've seen some crazier things. But I would say you're, you're catching Florida State at a bad time right now if you're the Cajuns. Uh, this team has put things together. If you'd have played Florida State you know, at some point in the middle of the season where they were kind of trying to figure things out offensively, I think you have a better shot, but right now with the way Florida State's able to run the football on offense um, and, and kind of the connection that Jordan Travis and his receivers have had, it would take a weird game. Um, but, hey, you know, maybe you get some turnovers early and that offense is able to hit on a couple of big plays and you kind of get maybe – I will bring up one more thing. Florida State does have a pretty big rivalry game against Florida next week with Coach Napier coming to town. So maybe you catch them looking ahead a little bit. Um, but it would take a, a pretty special effort from the Cajuns to, to pull off the upset in Tallahassee. Lastly, you know, you, you talked about that rivalry game with, with Florida. The the Cajuns are going to have to win one in, in San Marcos if they fall short tomorrow in Tallahassee. Looking ahead to that matchup just ever so slightly, uh, how do you like the Cajuns' chances against the Bobcats? Uh, certainly a lot better than I like them against the Seminoles. Um, you know, Texas State's an interesting team. They have a big win against App State this year now. I guess that App State team hasn't ended up being as good as we thought it would, but you know, a team that's kind of been towards the bottom of the West Division, I think it's a great opportunity. And, you know, going into that game potentially with the opportunity to earn a bowl game on the line, I think would be a great experience for some of the younger guys on this team and, and a great chance for the seniors to go out and, you know, perhaps earn themselves one more game. Dawson Iserlow joining us here. Lastly, Dawson, before you run, uh, you know I'm going to ask you about the Saints. Give me a uh, Give me a prediction in the Superdome on Sunday. Oh, you know, I wish I could I could come on here with good news about the way I feel about the Saints right now, but I really um, I really feel like this is just a team that's playing its worst football. Um, also, the news coming out, Cam Jordan's not going to play. Um, it just keeps getting worse. Unfortunately, I think the Rams are going to win this game, and I think it might not be all that close. And the sad part is that I don't really think the Rams are all that great. I just think the Saints are in a bad spot, and um, hopefully they come out and surprise us, but I don't see it happening. Dawson, appreciate you taking the time, bud. Have a great weekend and a happy Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you soon.
Yep, thanks for having me, Matt. Appreciate it. And there he goes, Dawson Iserlow. You know, we, we talked about the, the World Cup a minute ago. A, a story that I just find interesting, and this really isn't World Cup related, but it is a story, you know, relating to the World Cup. It's Let me rephrase. It's not a on-field thing. Uh, FIFA and Qatar have announced that beer and alcohol will not be allowed to be sold around the stadiums in Qatar, which, James, the reason that this is so interesting is FIFA has a $75 million contract with Budweiser to be the official beer of the 2022 FIFA World Cup. And now they're not going to be able to sell Budweiser or any other beer at the stadium. Yeah, I was going to say at any of the games. So... This is this is interesting because it was once previously approved like, hey, you know, y'all are going to be able to sell alcohol. Normally, we don't allow alcohol sale in our country, but because of the circumstances, you know, we're going to allow it. And then 48 hours before the tournament begins, they go, nah, never mind. We're, we're not going to let you do that. Psych. We're going to change our minds. So that definitely throws a, a wrench in things. Um, it's, almost, so how, it's almost like... Uh... It's almost like kind of having Gatorade as a drink and like for the teams or like for like, you know how so many teams have Gatorade oh, right, and right. water. They're like, mm, yeah, we're, we're not, going we're going to Powerade or just we, or we, just not having sports drinks at all to where you only right, right. can have water. That, that would be like Florida where Gatorade was invented, you know, Saturday morning of a game day. Oh, we're out of Gatorade. We're just going to drink Powerade like mm. Nope, not 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 quite how that works, but uh, or or you know what the other example that is is pressing to society right now. It's like it's like Ticketmaster saying our our systems are crashing. We're just not going to sell any more Taylor Swift tickets. What a what a cluster that is, huh? You, have you have you seen that, James? Where they uh, ran out of. Because they, they they had sold so many pre-sale tickets that they can't do during right, the regular that, time that, that their that their systems are crashing, and so they canceled the sale to the general public for Taylor Swift's New World Tour. I mean, so if you didn't get a pre-sale code, I mean, you're gonna have to buy them on the resale market. Which I mean, good luck with that. So that's just that's just a brutal situation. But you know, I, I mean, I, I guess it is what it is. It's just it's just a bad look for for a giant like Ticketmaster to to do something like that. But the same thing goes with with FIFA and the World Cup. But uh, anyways, it's another great deal from AcadianaDeals.com today. Go get a thirty dollar voucher to Mudcat Whiskers for just fifteen dollars. That's thirty dollars. That's a thirty dollar deal for just half the price. Once again, visit AcadianaDeals.com today to get a thirty dollar voucher to Mudcat Whiskers for only fifteen dollars. We'll take a timeout here. Daniel Underwood joins us next for a World Cup preview right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You know the routine. Eat, drink, sleep, and sports. All day, every day. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's time to talk the 2022 FIFA World Cup in Qatar. 
and to do it is the head girls soccer coach at St. Thomas More, Mr. Daniel Underwood. Coach, thanks so much for taking the time. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Doing good. Thank you for having me. So let, let's start, you know, obviously th- this World Cup is a little weirder than normal because it's, it's taking place at the end of November rather than right in the heat of the summer. Uh, talk about how that's maybe affected the excitement and buzz of the World Cup compared to most years. Yeah, it's definitely uh, had its effect. You know, typically when the World Cup is being played, it's during the summertime, so it doesn't have to compete really with the, the likes of uh, the NBA or the NFL. Uh, so that's, you know, it's, it's taken away a little bit of, I think, the luster here here at home in the States. However, the rest of the world is uh, is primed and ready to roll and, and, and enjoy it. So, You know, talk about the United States. They're back in the World Cup after missing it in 2018. A lot of these guys coming in, you know, haven't experienced the World Cup yet because of them missing it in 2018. Uh, but one guy that really stands out on the roster is DeAndre Yedlin. He, he's, a, he's a player that's been around the block. He's been to the World Cup before. Talk about this this squad and what Yedlin's experience can bring to the United States. Uh, well, it this is, like you said, we missed, the, we missed out on the last World Cup. So, uh, and they only come around every four years. So that's, that's eight years where, uh, you know, nobody's participated. However... We're going in with the second youngest team in uh, in the tournament, uh, so that's that's great news uh, for for our squad as far as the future is concerned. Uh, and then, like you said, DeAndre Yedlin's the only player who has participated in a World Cup. Uh, I think he's a little bit past his prime now, so he's there more, I think, uh, for his experience and to kind of help guide the, the youngsters along. Um, maybe even get out there and, and compete for us, but uh, this is this is really a time for the young guys to shine. Everybody uh, who I think is going to really uh, be dynamic and be be a difference maker is is probably under the age of twenty two or twenty four. You know, looking at, at at the group that the the World Cup has assigned to the United States, it is. You know, you're looking at England, you're looking at Wales, you're looking at the United States, and then you're looking at Iran. Uh, you know, and, and first, the United States will face Wales on Monday. Talk about that group, and uh, you know, Gareth Bale, obviously the the big name on that Welsh squad. Uh, he's not the player that he used to be, but still, you know, one of the one of the better players in the world, no question. Yeah, I think Gareth Bell gave every all the guys here in the states uh, some real excitement recently uh, with that last-second finish in the MLS Championship. Um, however, we got a we got a really good draw with the group. Uh, like you said, we open up Monday against Wales. That's right now. That's the most critical match for for our team. Uh, we want to come away with that with with points. So we want to win. Uh, you know, a draw will do, um, but. That that's that's a critical matchup uh, for our for our for our boys. They should uh, they sh- on paper they're the more talented team. Uh, like you said, Wales really has Gareth Bale. Uh, he's a little bit past his prime. Uh, there's not too many more exciting players on their roster. England by far is is the is kind of the the Goliath that we're going to need to slay in that group. 
however we've done it before. Uh, we typically match up well with them uh, and compete compete hard against them. And then the last team in the in our group is Iran, and uh, Iran's is kind of a you know it's one of those teams that we don't we want to get there. Like I said, having with a win and a loss, and then we can we can kind of go into Iran feeling good uh, because there's been a lot of money poured into their their league in the last several years where they've actually, you know, brought in some great coaches and really kind of developed and created a good farm system. And so while those players maybe aren't playing in the EPL or or other big-name leagues, they are they are playing together. And so it's a team that you know, could really be dangerous for us if we don't get there uh, and, and be prepared to play them. You know, you, you brought up the EPL. One question that I have is the big name for the United States is Christian Pulisic. And obviously, you know, he has spent a lot of time in the EPL playing for Chelsea. Uh, talk about Pulisic. And, you know, I know he's dealt with some injuries recently, but his experience playing in the Premier League Talk about what that provides the United States because that's something that they haven't had in the past. Yeah, really, not just uh, Pulisic. We have we have a lot of players on our roster with yeah. EPL experience. Um, he by far is, I think, you know, he, he's the star of the show. Everybody knows his name. He's he scored in a Champions League final. This, I mean, he's when he's healthy. By all means, he's he's a he's a unique talent that we haven't seen really ever. Right. So we need him healthy. He says he's healthy. Um, and that's really the story with this team is when we haven't seen the group play together, seems there's always been one or two players injured, uh, over the course of the qualifying and, and in the international friendlies leading up to the world cup. So, uh, for us soccer enthusiasts at home, we're really excited to see our best lineup on the field. Uh, but, you know, we have Tyler Adams, who plays for Leeds United. He's, uh, I think he's our best overall player. He's, he's going to captain the squad. Uh, he runs things in the midfield. Uh, G- Gio Reina is... Yeah, Gio Reina. I, I, yeah, he's, he's my favorite player to watch right now. When that kid is healthy, he's electric, and I feel like he's going to be the X factor for us this World Cup. Um, he's his his dad was somebody who I idolized growing up, uh, Claudio Reina, and so Gio being healthy is is great for the United States. And then we, you know, our keeper Matt Turner plays for Arsenal, so there's a lot of there's a lot of guys on our roster that have you know that are playing in the highest. Uh, competition, highest competitive leagues around the world. Now, you know, we, we talked about England, and they're always a force to be reckoned with. I mean, if you just look at their squad, Jordan Pickford, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Harry Maguire, Luke Shaw, Karrion Trippier, John Stones, Mason Mount, Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, Harry Kane, Marcus Rashford, Raheem Sterling. I can go on, but the point's been made. Uh, it, it's a It's an all-star squad. Of, of world soccer talent. However, when they get into these big moments, Daniel, they always kind of slip up. 
and they I don't I don't want to use the word that they choke it away, but that's essentially what they do. Uh, can England overcome the hump and win a World Cup this year? Are you asking me if they can win a World Cup? <laughs> I mean, certainly they got the talent on their roster, but like you said, I think it's a it's it's got to be just a tremendous amount of pressure on those guys. Um, could you imagine? I, I mean, it'd be the equivalent of our United States, our USA basketball team going and competing against the rest of the world, but the rest of the world is every bit as good as the USA basketball team. Right. Right? Like, those English, the English fans are just, you know, they, they love football. They love soccer and are just extremely passionate about it. And so, yeah, those guys just got to feel that pressure. Um Hopefully, you know, if, if you're an English fan, they, they, they perform, they, you know, they put the pressure aside and perform for you. Uh, but as a, United, <laughs> as a U.S. fan, uh, we really want them to do poorly, especially, uh, especially on November 25th. Now, you know, looking at the United States once again, what's a realistic destination for this young squad? If they make it out of the group stage, how far do you see them going in the knockouts? Well, that's the thing with the World Cup. I mean, it's you want to get to the knockout stage, right? And I think that's that's the round of 16. So getting to the World Cup and being one of the, the 32 teams that reaches it in and of itself is is a difficult task. Uh, but realistically, to, they need to get out of the group. You know, get out of the group. And then from there, it's it's, you know, it's kind of matchups dependent or just crazy things happen in when it's a one and done, right? It's like March madness. So if you can get to that knockout stage, uh, a lot, a lot of good things can happen for your team. Chad, with Daniel Underwood, the girls soccer coach of St. Thomas Moore, you know, Daniel, for, for soccer guys like you and I, you, you look at it, and this is going to be the final World Cup for guys like Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo and, and a bunch of others that, you know, we kind of grew up with. Um, what, what, what's, that, what's that mean to you uh, to, to know that this is, this is going to be the last time you see those guys compete for their country? Oh, man, uh, it, it, <laughs> it makes me feel a little old when you start talking about it like that. But, uh, but yeah, those guys... Uh, I mean, Messi is still a phenomenal player. Cristiano's had a bad year. However, he always seems to to play his best uh, for for his country. So it's going to be fun to watch those guys. Um, and yeah, I, honestly, I haven't really thought about that, but it, it'll definitely make me want to watch those games. And uh, you know, kind of. You, you want to be there if one of them creates a historical moment, right? Because can you imagine, like, if you were around when Pele was playing and you didn't watch uh, him in a World Cup? You know, that's the that's the level of greatness that these guys are at. It's like, do you, would you have wanted to be around when Michael Jordan was in the finals and you didn't watch the finals? So, right. by, by all means, when those guys are on the field, you want to watch because something special is going to happen. Now, lastly, Daniel, this is a $20 million question. Who raises the World Cup trophy next month? Ooh, man. Um, 
I think they're saying the favorites are Brazil and France is the reigning world champion. I, I have a feeling it's going to be a South American team. I think if I, if I had to put money down, I'm putting money on Brazil. Uh, I just feel a lot of things are are working in the favor. Roster's healthy. Uh, their best players are in their prime. The World Cup is kind of being played in similar conditions to their home country with the heat and yep. some of the humidity. And so my money is on Brazil. It wouldn't surprise me if, if uh, uh, Argentina or Uruguay makes a good run at the World Cup. Um, but, yeah, that, that would be in my, my, my bet. Daniel Underwood, the girls' head coach at St. Thomas More, joins us for a World Cup preview. Daniel, really appreciate your time. Best of luck this season with the Cougars, and uh, we'll talk again. Sounds good. Appreciate you. And there he goes, Daniel Underwood. We'll take a timeout, wrap up hour number one right after this right here on The Game. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. A shot to left field. Going back on its Gordon. He'll look up at the corner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. One of the things I love about betting on the NFL is that I'm always finding new players or game props I like. And what's cool about FanDuel Sportsbook is you can combine these props with other bets from the same game to score an even bigger payout. Perfect for Sunday afternoon Saints game. A parlay that I made is the under on Andy Dalton's passing yards, the under on total points scored, and then the over on Alvin Kamara's rushing yards. Same game parlays are just one of the reasons why I bet with FanDuel. You get fast withdrawals when you win, and then there's odds boosted specials each day and some super big boosts each weekend around the biggest local and national matchups. There's no feeling like nailing a same-game parlay bet, so lock in your bet today on FanDuel Sportsbook. If you're new to FanDuel, sign up with promo code KLWB for your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's promo code KLWB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana per minute Paris's only. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non withdrawable free best expire 14 days after the receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1 877 Stop. Welcome back to Crunch Time 455 right now. Got just a couple minutes left before we wrap up our number one. Let's quickly talk about those Saints because I just put up on the website. Meshes Friday 5, a few things to look at over for Sunday's game. And one thing that really stood out to me is all the injuries on the offensive lines and even with the defensive line for the Saints because James Hurst, he's out with a concussion. You still got Eric McCoy on IR. And then you're still looking at a questionable... You're still looking at it with Andrews Pete, who's questionable with his triceps injury. And then you've got four offensive linemen who have already been on IR for a while for the Rams, and then they're also not going to have Brian Allen, their center. He was ruled out a little earlier today, so there's going to be a lot of hurt players for the Lions, for the Rams, and the Saints. But then, the Saints, they won't be without Cam Jordan, and they won't be without Marcus Davenport. So they're they're down quite a few at the line, and then they're still missing Marshawn Lattimore and Pete Warner at corner and linebacker. You also haven't 
heard an official word on either Ryan Ramchek or Josh Andrews who are dealing with illness. Right. And and with there was uh, there was no designation on them. And and with Ramchek, he he's been uh pretty much a rest for like they Right. Dennis Allen keeps giving him rest. So I'm not too worried about Ryan. I'm I'm more worried about the people that are either questionable or already out. And that's well, three yeah. of the, and that's three of the offensive linemen. But I mean say say Josh Andrews or or even Ramchek, say either one of them don't heal up from whatever illness is ailing them and they can't go. I mean you might have a you're only going to have full of subs. You're only going to well, have I mean, Caesar Ruiz, and he's Ruiz, probably gonna, right. he's going to be playing center. So he won't even be playing right guard where you've been having him all season. Yeah. So that there's there's a lot of issues there for for the New Orleans Saints. But uh, look, man, I think we're to the point. Especially if we see a loss on Sunday, uh, I think we're to the point where you just got to start looking to to next season and, and getting better for next year. Because otherwise, I mean, I, I don't know what else you're playing for in uh in 2022 but uh our number one in the books our number two jake's takes with jake crane will kick it off right here on the game it's 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles it's southwest louisiana sports station and it's your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros don't go anywhere our number two of crunch time is back after this top of the hour sports update you're clocked out we're locked in you're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two of this Friday fun show, Matt Miguez, James Mesh here on the game, Southwest Louisiana sports station, and your home for the SEC West champion LSU Tigers and world champion Houston Astros. In hour number one, we talked Raging Cajuns, we talked the World Cup, and so much more. Speaking of the Cajuns, picked up a big 94-88 to win last night at the Cajun Dome over Louisiana Tech. Bob Marlin now holds 450 career wins in Division I men's basketball. Terrence Lewis II leading the way with 23 points and 12 rebounds on 9 of 11 shooting, and Greg Williams followed with 16 on 8 of 8 from the free throw line. Now... We do this every single Friday afternoon at 5 o'clock, which means we're one step closer to the weekend. It's time for Jake's Takes with our guy Jake Crane. Jake, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Man, I'm doing great, guys. Appreciate y'all having me. So let's start with Thursday Night Football last night. The Titans taking down the the Green Bay Packers 27-17. to I don't know if it's if it's you being you know in, in the vicinity of, of Titansville, but I mean the Tennessee Titans looked pretty damn good last night, Jake. Look, man, there's, uh, I'm starting to ask a lot of questions. You know, I, I moved to Georgia last year, uh, there for a year. Georgia wins the Natty for the first time in 40 years. The Braves win the series. I moved to Tennessee. Tennessee beats Bama and Florida for the first time in 312 years and has a shot to make the playoff. And now the Titans are running away with the division. You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm wondering if, if maybe I'm like, instead of King Arthur, I may just be the sword. Can can you do me a favor and move to Louisiana next? Well, I mean, y'all are doing just fine yourselves. I mean, Brian Kelly, the stepdad you never wanted but always needed, figured it out. Now, for the Saints, I don't know if me or God could help a Dennis Allen coach team, so I don't know. Well, 
That's fair. Uh, another team in Louisiana that, that hasn't needed much help is the, the Tulane Green Wave. Talk about the job Willie Fritz has done down there in the 504. Well, you know, I, we played against Willie when he was at Georgia Southern. It was always so tough matching up against those guys, not just because of the you know the spread option. And, and he's, he's kind of evolved a little bit. Uh, but, you know, Tulane coming off a performance against UCF that I know they wish they could have back. That was a big environment. Uh, a big opportunity, but man, they, they were able to turn around and and really put it on SMU. I mean, guys, SMU had scored forty one, at least forty one points in the last three games, and and from the jump, you know, Tulane was able to control them not only you know on the ground, but but uh, in the running back room, but Pratt as well. Uh, you know, the big turnovers in special teams it was really a team win, and for somebody that had a show bet of uh, Tulane money line and the over at fifty nine and a half parlayed. I really need to send Willie a handwritten uh, thank you letter because I didn't have to sweat that one at all. No, no, you sure you surely did not. Uh, the World Cup starts on Sunday in Qatar. Jake, I don't know if you're much of a soccer guy, but do you have a World Cup pick? Eh, yeah, look, it's it's going to be Brazil's the easy pick, uh, but look, it's it's hard to go against Germany as well. Um, but I tell you what, uh, why, why are we playing the World Cup in Qatar? I, I don't understand. You might as well play it in Afghanistan. Like, why? I mean, they're fixing games. The way they treat, you know, people of, of certain preferences over there is disgusting. Why are they getting rewarded with a World Cup? I think it's, I think it's atrocious. I think it's disgusting. Uh, and outside of the United States games, I'm not going to watch anybody else. Uh, I, I think it's an embarrassment to the civilized world, to be honest with you. Well, fair enough. Let's make some let's make some picks for college and NFL football, Jake. Let's start with a battle in the Big 12 tomorrow. TCU trying to stay undefeated. You know, they're going to have to if they want to make the college football playoff. But uh, Dave Aranda and a really good Baylor team is, is, is on their slate next. Who you got? Well, you know, Baylor, a big year last year. I've been kind of let down by the way Blake Shapin's played. You know, Jerry Bohannon transferred out and went to South Florida. Uh, Shapin, I thought, did a really good job last year. He was somebody as I was expecting to maybe explode on the scene this year a little bit, and it really hasn't come to fruition. Uh, but, look, they're good enough to beat you. I, I don't think TCU uh, is just going to roll their helmet out there and think they can win, or uh, you're not going to be looking ahead to Iowa State. Nobody's ever done that. Uh, but but I do think TCU, they've shown you they can win in multiple ways. Quinn Ewers wasn't great for Texas last week, but you do have to give credit to, to TCU's defense and, and their ability to make up for a performance on offense. It was a little un-TCU-like, but I do like the Horn Frogs in this one. Uh, and, and look, TCU wins the next three, they're in, and, and they should be in. NC State and Louisville in an ACC matchup. Both teams have been interesting, but for Louisville, Scott Satterfield might be on the hot seat. Yeah, he is. I mean, I don't think anybody's letting anybody down more than, you know, Louisville, NC State, or Hunter Biden. I mean, at the end of the day, NC State did lose Devin Leary. I understand that. But defensively, they haven't been what I thought they should be. Uh, Boston College was able to come back, score late to beat them. Malik Cunningham and and Scott Satterfield and Louisville, they thought there was a chance they could win the ACC. You saw them getting votes. And really, all year, they've been inconsistent. And remember, Scott Satterfield was the guy flirting with uh, leaving and kind of hung Louisville out to dry a little bit. So uh, it's kind of the battle of the letdowns, uh, but I do think Malik Cunningham finds a way. Now, going going to two games here locally, Florida State, Louisiana, an 11 a.m. contest tomorrow. The Seminoles are a 24-and-a-half point favorite, depending on what book you look at. 
uh, you know, what, what did what are your thoughts on this game? Um, I look, I, Florida State's playing. <laughs> they've been about as hot as anyone. Oh, they're in the fantastic. He is uh, with uh, Jordan Travis and and the rest of of you know Johnny Wilson and and guys like that. I just I'm wondering yep. how Louisiana is going to be able to score enough points while trying to slow them down. I just think Florida State has too much and. Good for Mike Norvell. Really good for Mike Norvell. And, heck, that LSU win's looking a whole hell of a lot better now. But wouldn't that be fitting if Louisiana could find a way to beat them at home uh, after what they did to LSU to start the season? Uh, I think the Raging Cajun fan base would break in half if that was, if that was the case. Uh, another one, LSU-UAB. Uh, the Tigers, again, like we mentioned, SEC West champs awaiting the Bulldogs of Georgia. But, you know, they can't overlook a pretty solid UAB team out of Conference USA. Yeah, Coach Bryant Vincent's a good friend of mine. He was the offensive coordinator of South Alabama when I was there, and he was actually Blaine, my my brother and co-host, high school football coach at Spanish Sport. Uh, so I know they're going to come out and play hard. UAB's trying to fight for bowl eligibility. Uh, but, you know, if LSU didn't have two losses and, and have to win out, uh, I, I think he – not that they would get upset, but, but you'd feel good about UAB covering that 14-and-a-half. But I think Brian Kelly, the difference is he has this team focused and they're structured and they're accountable, and they understand it's not about who they're playing, it's about them. And that's one way you get better throughout the season. I think LSU finds a way to cover it. Texas and Kansas, Quinn Ewers, you know, they, they obviously got let down last week by, by falling to TCU. Can they bounce back against Kansas? Yeah, I mean, look, Quinn Ewers has to play better. I mean, let's just let's just call a spade a spade, guys. I mean, his footwork uh, has been atrocious here lately, and he has a ton of talent. Nobody's questioning his talent, uh, but he's still got to do the fundamental things right, but I still like Texas to uh, bounce back in this one. Bedlam is always a fun one. Oklahoma, Oklahoma yep. State. Uh, I mean, Mike Gundy likes to tell people to come after me. I'm a man. Uh, can, it, does, is, is he okay with Oklahoma coming at him? Well, look, I mean, when he was 40, he's a man. If he's 50 now, I mean, I don't know what he is, a transformer or AI or whatever. Uh, you know, without Spencer Sanders, it's going to be tough, though. The backup struggles, uh, especially to throw the ball down the field. Oklahoma, you know, defensively, from a speed standpoint, Brent Venables has got to fix the linebackers in the secondary. But I do think Dylan Gabriel and Jeff Levy find a way. I don't think Oklahoma State can score enough points. Chat with Jake Crane here. Old Miss, Arkansas. Arkansas, obviously, you know, the 13-10 to 10 loss to LSU. Old Miss might struggle a little bit with the letdown of, of falling just short to Alabama. Who? What, what does Lane do here? You know, K.J. Jefferson's playing, and these are two teams that want to rush the ball. I thought Arkansas stopped the run really well last weekend against LSU, including – kind of keeping Jaden Daniels under wraps and, and not letting him get the big play in the, in the ground game, whether it was escaping up through the pocket or outside the pocket. I like Arkansas in this game. Uh, I really, really do. Um, I think they find a way. Look, Quinshawn Judkins is a monster. Jackson Dart's done a good job really working that RPO offense uh, as well. But I like Arkansas in the cold at home to win one. Is Lane Kiffin the next head coach at Auburn? I mean, look, if, if if I was going to try and guess what lane, can, there's a better chance of me, you know, uh, pulling a random card out of a deck of cards and guessing it without looking at it. Uh, whenever, whenever you're represented by Jimmy Sexton, I've seen this movie before. Anybody that tells you they know what Lane Kiffin's going to do outside of Lane Kiffin, Jimmy Sexton, or probably Chris Lowe, 
doesn't know. Uh, I think there, there's a good chance. I think he's a primary target. Uh, but look, man, I'm still trying to get Hugh Freeze in there, fellas. Right, no, I don't blame you. Hugh Freeze deserves a second opportunity in the SEC. And by the way, ni- nice swag that you got hooked up with. Um, yeah, they absolutely dropped the bag on us. We're trying to collect something from every team. Uh, they dropped some clothes, a, a game-worn helmet, uh, and a couple of Hugh Freeze bobblehead dolls. So I just keep asking the bobblehead doll, will he be the head coach at Auburn? And he keeps saying yes. <laughs> couple Pac-12 matchups for you. First off, the Battle of Los Angeles, USC, UCLA. Well, yeah, the battle of, of who can leave the big uh, the Pac-12 quicker. I like UCLA money line in this game. Uh, I don't think the, the USC defense, uh, again, you know, that they, they thrived off turnovers, interceptions, fumbles, things like that early in the year. Caleb Williams is a witch. So is Jordan Addison, Mario Williams Jr., and, and the guys they have running out. Uh, that wide receiver room. But I like UCLA's physicality. I think Zach Charbonnet and DTR do a great job on the ground. Wouldn't be shocked to see both of them go over 100. I know USC wants revenge from last year, but uh, I just think UCLA scores too many points. Give me the Bruins in the upset in this one. Utah, Oregon? Man, you know, Bo Nix is beat up, guys. Bo Nix is beat up. Uh, I was going to wait to see. I I know he's a game-time decision, I think, last time I checked. But even if he's a little bit hobbled, I like Utah and Cam Rising. They haven't won really a big game this year. You could say USC, but I don't think we know about USC. I think we're going to find out the next three weeks. Give me Utah going in there, playing a physical game, scores a touchdown on special teams. I like the Utes. All right, let's roll through the NFL real quick. Browns and Bills in Detroit. Uh, Cowards move the game. Uh, man, they should have played play in the snow. I can't miss it. Truly, is the no fun league. Uh, but give me the Bills because uh, the Browns struggle to score, whether it's rain, shine, or thunder snow. Uh, how badly do the Rams beat the Saints? I mean, look, the Rams aren't exactly setting the world on fire. I mean, they don't have that senator's son at quarterback for this game, so I guess it's better. But without Cooper Cup. Uh, this is going to be the battle of who can blow it first. And while the Saints have majored in that this year, I get a sneaky suspicion that this may be one of those games where Taysom Hill just freaks out. Give me the Saints. Lions and Giants? And Bears, oh my. Um, you know, I, I like the Giants. Uh, the Lions against Jared Goff, huge win last week, ruined my parlay. I'll never forgive them. Uh, you know, DeAndre Swift's been beat up. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, the Sun God, is, has been a huge, you know, kind of kind of breakthrough performer even more this year. But man, I, I just I, I, the Giants have found ways to win. Uh, whether it's in the second half, Saquon's done a really good job not only not not only being himself, but protecting the ball better. Daniel Jones is, was was playing for his NFL life in a contract. He's really turned himself around. Uh, but give me the Giants. Battle of the AFC East: Jets and Pats. Man, um, the under. Uh, you know, Robert Sala's done a really good job. Xerxes' son there for the Jets. Zach Wilson continues to ride without the fear of the Cougar Hunter himself. But I do think this is a low-scoring Patriots win. Bill Belichick, ugly win at the end. You know, like a 37-yard field goal to win it. Give me the Patriots and give me them 20-17. to 17. All right, Bengals and Steelers. Oh, Joey B and the boys. Uh, you know, again, last time they went out, they just absolutely dominated 
uh, the Panthers, which, you know, insane a ton, but they looked really crisp. I mean, Joe Mixon had like 33 touchdowns, uh, and, and Joe Burrow seems he's getting back in rhythm. Uh, you, you look at, you know, uh, uh, not Higby, lose my mind, T. Higgins, uh, Tyler Boyd. I know Jamar Chase is beat up right now, but I think they still find a way uh, to score enough points. Kenny Pickett, I do like the, the combo of George Pickens, Kenny Pickett, and Najee Harris. Uh, anytime you put uh, an ACC champion with a guy from Georgia and Alabama, you got to feel good about it. But I, I don't think the Steelers have enough to win this one. Cowboys and Vikings. Game of the week. Kirk Cousins is not mid. I don't care what anybody says. They, the Vikings need to start giving the ball to Dalvin Cook more. Maybe they won't go down by 14 points in every game they play in. Uh, the Cowboys' defense you know, was out of form last week against the Packers, surprisingly up there. Micah Parsons and then need to get it going again. But I like Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. Justin Jefferson uh, is out here making catches like Keanu Reeves from the Matrix. Uh, give me the Vikings. And lastly, Chiefs-Chargers on Sunday night. Yeah, speaking of beat up, I mean, Keenan Allen's had more setbacks than the guy from FTX. So, I mean, uh, I just I don't see a way in which uh, the Chargers are able to slow down the Chiefs, who now have Kadarius Tony. Just another pawn on the board for Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid to drop out of a helicopter somewhere and catch touchdown passes. Uh, give me Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Jake, really appreciate you taking the time each and every Friday, my man. We'll do it again next week. Always, guys. Appreciate y'all. And there he goes, Jake Crane of Crane and Company for Jake's takes each and every Friday afternoon. If you want to listen to all your favorite Christmas classics or local Cajun Christmas songs, you can do so on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. Nonstop Christmas music 24-7 on the Louisiana Christmas Channel, and you can listen live at lachristmaschannel.com or download the free mobile app for both Apple and Android devices and listen on your Amazon Alexa. Listen to some holiday cheer with the Louisiana Christmas Channel. We'll take a time out. James and I, I keep doing that, James and I will make our... Friday picks next here on the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros Tune in every weekday at 8.15am and 3.15pm for the LSU Sports Update presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station Alright James it's time to make our picks Let's start with the NCAA. TCU trying to stay undefeated against Baylor. Who wins that one? To me, if you can't slip up if you're the Horned Frogs because if you lose one game, they're not going to let you back into the playoffs. So this is another must win. I think the Bears are going to give them a good game, but I think ultimately TCU still comes out on top. Yeah, agreed. The Horned Frogs know what's at stake for them, and they're not going to let us slip away against a slightly weaker Baylor team, so I'm going to take the Horned Frogs as well. NC State, Louisville, Scott Satterfield really needs to to get a couple wins for Louisville to to save his job. Uh, can can Malik Cunningham and the Cardinals get it done for him? As much as I'd like to see the Cardinals kind of keep up with it, I'm still going to take the Wolfpack on this one. At I, I think ultimately. I don't know. I just get that sneaky feeling. They're both coming off of losses, but I, I think that NC State is, is a better school, and they're a better program. Yeah, 
I think I think this year they're they're a better team, no question. Um, it's, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Wolfpack. It's weird because you look at like the matchup predictor, it, it goes it's seventy percent in Louisville's favor, but I'm like, in, interesting. Yeah, that's, that that's that throws me off. And Louisville's a four point favorite, but I I think it comes down to I think NC State wins like twenty seven twenty four. And I think that's based upon the fact that NC State no longer has Devin Leary, but I, I still think that they're they're going to come out on top in that one. Uh, Florida State, Louisiana. I mean, look, I'd I'd love to say that the Cajuns can win this game, <laughs> and and obviously you know they can. There's a reason you line up and play. But let's be honest, you're you're a 24 point dog, and you know if the rumor that's going around the fan base is true. You won't have your starting quarterback. I mean, give me the Seminoles. Yeah, I mean, I'm taking the Seminoles no matter what, but I thought it would have been closer of a game if Ben Wolverage was still suiting up. But if he's not going to be out there on Saturday, this this looks like it'll be a 30-plus-point 30, 30 win for the Seminoles. Yeah, LSU-UAB. Uh, LSU a 14-and-a-half-point favorite, a late kick, 8 o'clock at night in Death Valley. You can hear it here on the game. Uh, can the Tigers, you know, not overlook UAB? I don't think they overlook them. I think they take care of business. I, I wonder if the 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 weather affects them, though, because it's going to be in the mid-40s, so it's, it's going to be about as cold as it was in Arkansas and Fayetteville last Saturday for them. Plus, you're going to have to be dealing with rain and that late at the night uh i wonder if that uh wonder if it kind of catches lsu off guard a little bit i think easily that they win but i feel like maybe you still take the over or like you still take lsu spread at 14 and a half and i think they all i think they win by 17 maybe you can get to 24 if if like you just start absolutely routing them but i don't know this one feels like it'll be a little closer something that Vegas is not telling us because they have not budged really on that 14 all week. Yeah, it's, it, it's a closer line than most people probably thought. Interested to see how that one plays out. Once again, you can hear it on the game. Pre-game at 6. Kickoff is set for 8. Texas and Kansas. Kansas kind of slipped off a little bit since their their hot start to the season. Um, and, and Texas needs a, needs a big win to, to feel good about themselves. Can, uh, can the Longhorns get it done? I think Quinn Ewers plays a little bit better than he did last time. I think the Longhorns, even though I want to go, with, even though I want to rock jock the Jayhawk, uh, I'm still going to go with the Longhorns in this one. Yeah, I think I think I'm going Longhorns as well. Uh, Bedlam, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State would be my obvious choice, but now that they don't have Spencer Sanders, that changes things a little bit. Uh, this is going to be a much closer game than we anticipated. James, who's your pick? I'm. I told myself after that horrific loss by the Sooners against Texas, I'm not picking them again, and I'm sticking with that. I'm going with the Cowboys. All right, I'm, I'm going Sooners. Um, I, I think this is the game that Brent Venables shows to the college football world that that he's going to be okay in the Big 12 or, I mean, eventually the SEC, um, and, and he'll be able to, to put teams together that can compete. So uh, give me the Sooners. Ole Miss, Arkansas. God, Ole Miss by 17? Yeah, I'm, I'm going with Ole Miss on this one. Yeah, I just – K.J. Jefferson's going to be back, and that's great. How healthy is he? Arkansas is not the team that 
people thought they were going to be this year. I just think there's too many variables for the Razorbacks to, to try to sneak an upset in this one. Uh, USC, UCLA, USC still somewhat in the playoff conversation, uh, but they're in a similar situation to TCU. They can't slip up. Correct, but I, I look at USC's schedule. I was initially going to go with the Trojans, but after looking at who they played and who they've lost to, they've only played one ranked opponent in Utah, and they lost that one. So uh, yeah, that's to me, great. yeah, it, it doesn't look good on their resume. I still like DTR for the Bruins, so I'm going to go with UCLA on this one. All right, quickly, Utah, Oregon. Uh, isn't isn't Bo Nix injured? He's injured. Yeah. Yeah, I'm leaning Utah. Yeah, Utah. I'm taking the Utes as well. Uh, Lamar McNeese. I think McNeese is able to end the season on a three-game winning streak. I think they. I, I think they beat Lamar. I agree. I agree. That'll be a big rivalry win for head coach Gary Goff. All right, the NFL Browns Bills. It's not going to be in Buffalo anymore. I did show you the pictures of the yeah. 17 feet of snow. Massive. And and Jake wanted them to play in that. Well, I mean, I, I, I kind of want them to play in that. I mean, it'd be cool, but, like, l- let's be realistic here. That ain't working out. I mean. We, there, saw, we, saw, we saw how it was whenever there was one or two feet of snow in Philadelphia when it was, like, the Eagles and Lions. But there's a reason you have an open-air stadium in Buffalo. Six feet of snow, though? It, I don't think it's that much. Oh, it's, pre- it's pretty bad. I mean, I'm sure it's it, it, it's high. It's a it's, lot of snow. It, it's but a it, lot more snow than it was one or two feet in Philly. So Six feet. I don't know if it's that much. But anyways. I'm going to go with the Bills on this one. I think they've slipped up a little too much lately, and I think this is not that I'm saying it's a get-right game, but you got to win this one because you've already slipped up a little too much. And if you want to be what you want it to be earlier in the season, you got to win this one. Now that the weather can't be a factor, I think Josh Allen slings it around the yard a little bit and the Bills run away with it. Yeah, no question. Um Saints Rams. I'm going to Rams. Rams. I don't I'm not touching yeah. Saints. Yeah. Uh Rams easy. Lions Giants. I'm going Giants. I'm gonna go the Lions in this one. Ooh, think, three I, in a I row. Think, I think Jared Goff and Amon Ross St. Brown have a have a party. And uh the the Lions win. Jets Patriots. I'm going Patriots. I'm going Jets. Zach, Zach Wilson leaves leaves the field on the phone with Giselle. Oh, my. <laughs> Bengals and Steelers. We're going Bengals. Bengals. No. Even without Jamar Chase, I still think the Bengals have a better shot. Oh, yeah. Um, Cowboys and Vikings might be the most interesting game of the entire weekend, college and pro. I'm going to go on a limb here, and I'm going to take the Cowboys in this one. I am, too. You're going, I, I, you're going I, out on a lot of limbs. I hate to say that, but I think the Cowboys are going to win this game. I don't know. I, I think I, I just have this feeling that Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott are both going to have big games on the ground, and Dak does just enough in the air to to beat the Vikings. And then lastly, Chiefs Chargers. I, I like the Chargers. I Chiefs. really do. But I'm going Chiefs. They're they're just they're so deadly. Even without Tyree Kill, they're still so good. I don't. I think the Chargers are in the second half of the season going to have a major drop off. Yeah. No, I I agree. I I do not. 
I do not see the Chargers having much success over the back half of the season. Lyle Lovett and his acoustic group are coming to the Hyman Performing Arts Center on Friday, February 24th, and you will not want to miss this incredible night of live music. Tickets are on sale today, and you can get your tickets at Ticketmaster.com. Once again, head to Ticketmaster.com to see Lyle Lovett and his acoustic group at the Hyman Performing Arts Center. We'll take a timeout. Carter Carrolls of the Tallahassee Democrat joined us earlier this week for a conversation about the Florida State Seminoles as they host Louisiana tomorrow, and we'll bring that to you next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. They could debate who should win the MVP, but they'd rather argue who has the best hair in sports talk radio. We just wash the hair. You know, I work on my hair a long time, and you, and you hit it. It hits my hair. Now back to more of the stylish crunch time with Miguez and Mash here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. It's time to preview the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns as they will travel to Tallahassee, Florida to take on the Seminoles of Florida State. Carter Carrolls of the Tallahassee Democrat joins us. Carter, thanks so much for taking the time, man. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me. So, you know, Florida State is just such an interesting dynamic to me because Mike Norvell takes over. Obviously, you have the COVID year. They have struggled mightily over those first couple of years. And then this year, just kind of seems like everything did a 180 and flipped on its head. And now Florida State's 7-3 and in a top 20 program in America. How'd that happen? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's crazy, right? But um, really the biggest thing I would say is, well, it's really a, a combination of things. But I'd say the biggest thing is what they've done in the transfer portal. Uh, you saw what Michigan State did last year with Kenneth Walker and, and having such a breakout season. That's pretty much what Florida State is doing this year. Uh, every, almost every position on their roster, their, their best player at that position is a transfer. And um, they're just not they're, – they're taking a lot of swings in the transfer portal, and they're not having a lot of misses, and they're having a lot of home runs from Jared Burse to Jermaine Johnson to Trey Benson to, to Johnny Wilson. Jordan Travis initially was a transfer uh, back in 2019. So um, they've just uh, really hit on a lot of those guys. And for another big reason why they've been uh, taking that jump this year is just the development of Jordan Travis. I mean, um, he truly is having – one of the better seasons from a Florida State quarterback in the last 20 years. And uh, there's there's been a, a few pretty good ones when it comes to E.J. Manuel, Christian Ponder, Jameis Winston. So, you know, um, he's not having quite the year that uh, Winston had in 2013, but just about all the other years in the last 20 years, uh, he is right up there with them. And he's just with those weapons around him improving. It, it did a lot for his confidence. Um, because in the past he didn't really quite have that support around him. So now that he does, uh, he's able to kind of make those plays. And, um, yeah, it's just they've, they've really built a roster in a modern way that, you know, we talk about being with the times. Uh, Florida State is, is currently with the times. Uh, but certainly still a ways to go for them. 
Um, obviously, they had the three-game losing streak. It's still a team learning how to win those big games. Uh, we even saw against LSU earlier this season that you know they built this big lead. They're very, very close to letting that one go. But uh, you know, overall, definitely think FSU's trending in the right direction. And you know, no longer are there you know hot seat tar- hot seat talks for Mike Norvell. You know, you talked about Jordan Travis and his growth as a quarterback. What changed for for him this past offseason that turned him, you know, that, that really helped him make that leap forward as one of the top quarterbacks in America? Yeah, he seemed like a, a quarterback who maybe struggled with confidence early on in his career, and, and I, I really don't blame him. I mean, he had no supporting cast whatsoever. He had one of the worst offensive lines in Power 5 football, had one of the worst wide receiving core in, in Power 5 football, uh, one of the worst tight end groups in, in Power 5 football. He had pretty good running backs, but, but that was about it. And when, you, when you're not supported, I mean, how, how can you really be successful? Uh, but now you look at this group, and they've got one of the best receiving cores in the, in, in the ACC, one of the best O-lines in the ACC, and, you know, maybe the best running back group in the, in the ACC. So, like, you know, th- this is a, a team that has improved significantly around him, and, and, and now he's able to kind of show off what's, what's maybe been there for him. You know, he, he showed the flashes in the past, but I think with all those other elements in play, it, it was hard for him to really spread his wings and, 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 and be all that confident in himself. You saw him leave the pocket too early, you saw him not taking enough, uh, you know, risks down the field. A lot of kind of dink and dunk in the past because his receivers just couldn't get open down the field. And now you're seeing it. Now this is you know one of the most explosive offenses in the country, and a lot of that's just because of the weapons around him. But um, the second piece to it is he had never really been the number one guy solidified on this team. Uh, you know, they brought in McKenzie Milton last year. Um, the last two years, you know, Jordan Travis wasn't the number one guy for, for the whole year. So coming this offseason, not only knowing that he was the number one guy, but getting the support around him was huge for his development. You talked about his weapons. Trey Benson stands out at running back, and then, of course, Johnny Wilson at the wide receiver position. Just kind of talk about the rest of this offense and, and really touch on what this group has been able to do well in order to average 34 points a game this year. Yeah, so, you know, you've seen the, the times where they have been sloppy has been a couple things, right? They, they didn't have their left tackle, Robert Scott, for a couple games, and they, they didn't know how to really finish and close drives and win games that they were so elite in every way, but the red zone was a problem. So you say 34 points a game, it really should be like 42 points a game, uh, but they just they, they couldn't finish drives for much of the season. Now you're seeing that, and you're seeing it come together, and it's because they, they can really game plan in a lot of different ways based off what the defense gives them because they have so many weapons at their disposal. I think, I think they have you know, 12 receivers that are averaging 10-plus yards after the catch. They've got three running backs that are dynamic, you know, and they, they've got a, a decent 
a, a decently good offensive line in front of them. Uh, and so, like for Syracuse, for instance, you know, they lined up and they just said, you know what? We're not even going to throw anything risky. We're going to throw stuff five yards from the line of scrimmage, and we're just going to get a bunch of yards after catch because that's what the defense has given us. And they did that, and it was extremely successful. And Jordan Travis almost broke the record for completion percentage in Florida State history. But then there are other games where they say, no, nah, you know what, we're going to throw it up to six foot seven, Johnny Wilson. Or, no, we're going to run the ball 40 times and give it to Trey Benson a whole bunch. So, you know, they can kind of pick and choose. Another, another interesting element, Jordan Travis, you know, known for his running ability, has been more of a pocket passer this season. Um, they've really been focused on keeping him healthy and keep him in, in that pocket. He hasn't really been that much of a runner this season. But I think when they want to and they want to let him loose, they can obviously do that too. So it's just an offense that can – beat you in a lot of different ways, and it gives them flexibility based off what the defense gives them. Carter Carroll is joining us from the Tallahassee Democrat. You know, you talked about the Florida State defense only giving up 18 points per game. Talk about that group and how special they have been. You know, we, we looked at Syracuse and the year that they've had, only holding them to three points last week. I mean, what an impressive performance. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting because – you saw flashes from them early in the season. I mean, against LSU, those first three quarters, they were dominant. I mean, LSU was not getting anything offensively. Keishon Butte did not have anything offensively. And, and LSU wasn't really moving the ball. And then in that final quarter, LSU kind of figured it out. And that was kind of how the first six games went for Florida State. They had these really good stretches. And then they kind of slip up. Um, and, and the biggest problem with them early on was really health. I mean, they lost about half of their defense, including Jared Verse um, and, and Fabian Lovett up front, to injuries. And so all year, up until you know late October, this was a defense that never really played to its potential, never played a full game. Well, now you're starting to see it. And, and since the bye week, uh, coming up at the at the beginning of uh, of November, they have been extremely healthy. This is the healthiest they've been since probably the spring game, uh, to be quite honest. And so um, you're now seeing them come together. They're, they're defending the run a lot better. They they used to really struggle against the run, and their defense. I think the emergence of, of Jamie Robinson. He's finally playing to the level that. You know he did last year when he played for when he was a first team all or all ACC safety, um, and then obviously Jared Verse is, is back to 100 percent and playing the way that he's capable of. So um, yeah, it, it, they didn't show it the whole year. They had kind of their moments, but now since this past bye week, these last three games, they're really starting to show uh, that they're one of you know uh, a top 25 defense in the country. Looking at the Cajuns, what do they do well that could give Florida State some fits? Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny, Louisiana, you look at them, they're 5-5, five and five, but three of their losses were by six points or fewer. They, they've, they've been in a lot of their losses. They easily could be an 8-2 and two team. And, 
defensively, they, they do a pretty good job. They're, they're solid against the run. They're solid against the pass. And the red zone, I believe they're eighth in the country. And, you know, I mentioned before, FSU's offense uh, was really, really good all year, except in one area, which is the red zone. And some of that had to do with their kicking issues that they had with, with Ryan Fitzgerald. He's kind of figured that out. But if Louisiana can ha- say, hey, we're going to make you kick a bunch of field goals, you know, maybe the game's closer than expected, especially if, you know, Ryan Fitzgerald misses one or two. Uh, so I think that's, that's kind of the formula for Louisiana. No, they're not going to stop FSU's offense. They've got too many weapons. They've got too much going for them. But maybe when the, when the field and the spacing gets smaller, they can force them into some field goals. Keys to victory for the Seminoles and give me a final score prediction. Yeah, FSU's just got to, I mean, it, it sounds cliche, but play their game, right? I mean, when, when they've played to their potential, uh, they've been pretty dominant all year. But when they have a lot of self-inflicted errors, penalties and red zone issues uh, and just misoppor- you know, opportunistic mistakes when it comes to third down, uh, you know, and fourth down, just struggling in those areas. That's been what's bitten them. So just being good in those critical situations, I think, is the main key. Uh, you you want to jump out to an early lead because you never want to give kind of that inferior team hope or else, you know, you're going to start, you know, the, the pressure may start to get to you a little bit. So, you know, coming out hot, I think, is big. Um, and then I think the defense, they've given up, Three points the last two weeks, and they're uh, they're they they were upset with it. They wanted a shutout, and so I think their goal for for Saturday is to get a shutout. Um, maybe the key is just can can they do that? And you know, will will they be trying a little bit too hard uh, to get that shutout? That that maybe they give up a big play. Um, I, I don't know, but um, overall, I think Louisiana is a good enough team to you know, not lose by 60 points or anything like that. So, you know, it's a 24-point spread. Uh, so I think that's fairly appropriate. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take FSU there. I'm going to take them winning 41-10. to 10. Carter Carrolls of the Tallahassee Democrat joining us here on Crunch Time for a conversation about the Seminoles. Carter, really appreciate you taking the time. Enjoy the game this weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you again, my friend. Yes, sir. Appreciate you guys having me. And there he goes, Carter Carrolls. If you're looking for great stocking stuffers for the holiday season, look no further than the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino, a $50 gift certificate to Shell Oyster House, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great stocking stuffers by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. Go sign up today. We'll take a timeout and bring you more crunch time after this right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. 
Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time. One final look at the poll question of the day. Can the United States have a good showing in the FIFA World Cup in Qatar? So far, 50% of you say yes. 10% say, I hope so. And 40% say, who cares? Uh, Jamie Green says soccer is a world sport, so Americans tend to marginalize it because their teams can't be world champions like football, baseball, etc. Seriously, though, because it's slower, people think it's boring and don't watch slash give it a chance. Shame, really, because the Americans are on fire. And I agree. I, I think the I think the Pelic- uh, the United States is going to have a nice run in the World Cup. Uh, speaking of the Pelicans, Zion Williamson out yet again against the Boston Celtics tonight. Uh, so we will we will follow that up on Monday as well as the United States' first game of the World Cup. We'll also recap LSU, Louisiana, the Saints, and so much more on Monday's edition of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. want to take this opportunity to thank each and every one of our guests today. There were a lot of them, a lot more than we normally do. Dawson Iserlo for joining us uh, for a conversation about Louisiana-Florida State uh, from, from both perspectives, really. Uh, appreciate Dawson taking the time there. Daniel Underwood, the STM Girls soccer coach, for giving us a World Cup preview. Jake Crane joining us for Jake's Takes. If you haven't checked out Crane & Company on the Daily Wire, go ahead and do so. Great daily sports show. And then, of course, we had um, Carter Carroll from the Tallahassee Democrat as well joining us for a conversation from the Florida State perspective. I am James, for James Mesh, excuse me, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them, have one hell of a weekend, and we will talk to you on Monday. Same time, same station, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the world champion Houston Astros and the SEC West champion LSU Tigers. The, prep, the game prep report is next. <laughs> 